0: Chapter 4: Environmental Justice. Isabel Angulovsky, ICTA, the Institute of Environmental Science and Technology of the Autonomous University of Barcelona. Environmental justice is about the right to remain in one's place and environment and be protected from uncontrolled investment and growth, pollution, land grabbing, speculation, disinvestment and decay and abandonment. In the late 1970s, the first visible and widely reported environmental justice mobilizations emerged and took place in the United States. Love Canal, New York, 1978, and Warren County, North Carolina, 1982. They had clear targets, environmental contamination and its impacts on human health. Love Canal embodied the struggles of white working-class residents fighting against 20,000 tons of toxic chemicals sitting underneath homes and schools and winning the relocation of 833 households. Warren County added a racial dimension to the environmental burden impacting historically marginalized groups, as African-American residents became the target of 10,000 truckloads of contaminated soil to be spread in a landfill that the Environmental Protection Agency had authorized. Their resistance brought to light the disproportionate exposure and harm that populations of color suffer from toxic waste sites, hence the close relationship between environmental inequalities and environmental racism. Since the 1980s, an extensive literature in sociology, environmental policy and environmental health has examined inequities between groups in exposure to contamination and health risks from waste sites, incinerators, refineries, transportation and small area sources. Exposure to harm and risk also exists in the workplace as farm or chain employees, for instance, are obliged to be in close contact with pesticides and hazardous waste. Similarly, in the Global South, mercury spills from gold mines, open-cast copper and coal mining, oil and timber extraction, deforestation and erosion from monocultural farming, and hydroelectric dams are devastating millions of hectares and disrupting poor residents' health. In addition, tons of toxic waste from industry, agriculture and electronic products, and ships to be dismantled, are also being exported to poorer countries. Activism around environmental injustices has been strong in the global north, particularly in the U.S. Residents, accompanied by environmental NGOs, community organizations, scientists and lawyers, have organized against refineries, waste sites, recycling facilities, basically against locally unwanted land uses, LULUs. Demand to address environmental racism was initially rooted in a civil rights framework before becoming framed through a human rights perspective and even a gender lens. The environmental justice movement in the US became global in the mid-1990s. From their northern origin, the words environmental justice spread to the world and especially to the global south, linking to what has been called the environmentalism of the poor and to the conflicts that were already taking place in Latin America, for instance, around land struggles and environmental disasters. Robert Bullard, a scholar and founder of the environmental justice movement in the US, was influential in Brazil in the 1990s and also in South Africa, pushing national environmental justice movements. Today, conflicts around natural resources explode every week around the world, in which poor indigenous residents defend their land from natural resource extraction and contamination. In the many resource extraction and waste disposal conflicts, the poor defend their interests, their livelihoods, and their cultural values and sense of territorial identity against the dominating economic language of valuation. Environmental inequalities exist not only in the distribution of environmental bads, and in the extraction of natural resources, but also in the allocation of environmental goods and services, which is particularly manifest in cities. Deprived communities have generally poor environmental services such as green spaces, street cleaning, and waste collection, while wealthier and white ones enjoy environmental privileges, parks, coasts, open space, in a racially exclusive way. These conditions are often combined with neighborhood decay. Similarly, in the south, mega cities such as Mumbai or Jakarta present drastic inequalities between lush secluded communities that benefit from environmental amenities and unauthorized slums that are not connected to city services such as waste collection or water provision. Consequently, over the past 10 years, the environmental justice agenda has expanded, become more multifaceted, and also includes just sustainability dimensions. Today, urban environmental justice groups in the North mobilize for well-connected, affordable and clean transit systems in cities, for healthy, fresh, local and affordable food, for green, affordable and healthy housing, along with recycling practices and green spaces inside housing structures, and for training and jobs in the green economy. Environmental initiatives such as urban gardening in marginalised neighbourhoods are often a direct response to years of direct or indirect destruction and decay, to what residents perceive as urban war and environmental violence. Beyond offering a medium for socializing and building stronger ties, projects such as community farms help repair fragmented communities and overcome environmental trauma. For instance, in the 1980s, the neighborhood of Dudley in Boston was ravaged by arson and abandonment and had 1,500 empty lots. Today, projects such as community gardens, farms and parks and playgrounds remediate the insecurity that residents have experienced from being exposed to neglect, environmental degradation and poverty. Residents can regain a sense of home and place. Some of these environmental justice initiatives are also part of degrowth because they foster a smaller, simpler and alternative form of economy based on the commons. Scholars such as Logan and Maloch have used the image of the growth machine to point to elites, rentiers and the economic and political coalition around them as being the motor of unregulated capitalism, private capital accumulation and spatial inequalities. The argument is that Because investments move from place to place in cycles of growth, devaluation, destruction, reinvestment and mobilization, development ends up being uneven throughout the city. In other words, the treadmill of production benefits investors, elites and decision makers, while negatively impacting those at the bottom of the social pyramid. Wealthier groups live in neighborhoods with resources and are able to reap the benefits from environmental goods and amenities, while shifting environmental burdens to marginalized neighborhoods. In rural areas, the growth in resource extraction conflicts is largely explained by increasing social metabolism and the need for new supplies and resources by corporations, which must be obtained from the expansion of commodity frontiers. In other words, in cities and rural regions, in the north and south, land is a matter of private appropriation, speculation and exploitation. Growth is thus part of the process that creates injustices. As progress in technology drives the expansion of production and consumption in a synergetic way, and since states, investors, and workers are dependent on economic growth to achieve job creation and revenues, cycles of unstopped production, extraction of material resources, waste accumulation, and uneven spatial development perpetuate. Thus, today, the most recent aspect of environmental justice mobilization, and maybe its most fundamental one, is the defense of the right to place. In rural areas, poor farmers resist land grabbing for agrofuel production, mining or oil and gas extraction and value their land and also their water as commons to preserve. In northern cities, many environmental justice groups have moved their work from waste sites and degraded spaces rehabilitation to fights for housing affordability and ensuring that residents can afford living in their revitalized space. In southern cities, such as Bangalore or Mexico City, many mount resistance to protest as airports and highways or gated communities, because they affect their territory. Others, such as the Alliance of Indian Waste Pickers, organize to secure a living, collecting, sorting, recycling and selling materials that individuals and industries have discarded, and they protest that incinerators that would take away that source of income. As a result, many environmental justice activists are involved in fights around the right to the city, which is connected to degrowth discourses. Using Lefebvre's discourses about the right to the city and the importance of not only controlling spaces of production, but also of using and shaping the city, coalitions such as the Right to the City Alliance in the US demand economic and environmental justice and greater democracy, together with the end of real estate speculation, community space privatisation and gentrification. As they resist the replacement of their community space and gardens by luxury housing, they question projects that max- maximize exchange value while beautifying and sanitizing the city. In the South, resistance against displacement is often connected to land rights movements such as the Via Campesina, the Landless Workers Movement of Brazil, or the Bumi Ujhed Patti Rod Committee in India. From an organizing and political standpoint, such movements frame transformative claims, the need to remain autonomous from the state and construct more spontaneous and direct forms of democracy and decision-making. From an outcome standpoint, environmental justice movements are split between some groups demanding a more radical transformation of the economic system and a move away from a fixation on an economic growth i.e. indigenous groups pushing for the concept of Sumac kawsay in Ecuador, buen vivir, and those who want to improve free market capitalism without proposing a true alternative to the current system. They do not make the link with long-term and broader implications of increased production and consumption, resource extraction and unequal environmental siting. In sum, environmental justice movements act as a reminder that consuming and producing less is not enough, per se. The less needs to be distributed more equally, with people controlling production processes so that cities and rural spaces become more equal.